0: Welcome to STD Church's podcast. You can always join us for our live services Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings out in our West Auditorium. You can also tune in to our services live online at ccoastchrist.org or on our YouTube and Facebook pages. Thanks so much for listening. So today I want to talk a little bit about leaving a legacy. And uh, one of the legacies that I found out that I had that I didn't want to have was that a few years ago, one of our staff members came to me and said, you know, my husband hates Father's Day at our church. And I'm like, Why? because you always beat the dads up. And I got to thinking, I think, wow, you're right. I'm really passionate about fatherhood. And I think actually, if we had better dads in America, we'd be a better nation. And so I I really feel strongly about it, but I don't want to beat anybody up. And uh, just to kind of reaffirm that message this morning, one of my cousins who's a pastor sent an email and said, don't beat the dads up. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I'm going to, I'm trying not to beat the dads up. Here's what I do want to do, though, is I want to encourage the dads who are working so hard, trying so hard, to leave a, a strong spiritual legacy in their families. I want to encourage you, maybe give you some new ideas. And those who aren't, I might beat you up a little bit just a little bit, okay? But not on purpose. I really want to affirm the dads and tell you how much we appreciate you and how important what you're doing. Sometimes when you're finding yourself investing so much time and energy, you don't know if it's going to pay off for a long time. And, uh, and we're in this series, living in the tension, paying attention to the tension. the tension. The tension we're talking about today is the tension between the investing and the payoff, the reaping of the harvest. You're going to invest a whole lot in those kids. You may not see it pay off immediately or even ever. You never know but the investing is worth it because what you're doing is so important. So I want to talk about that a little bit today. And um, so best things I learned from my dad, uh, I I learned, I was just the first things that came to mind had to do with stability. I mean, dad, just a rock. He was, uh, he was uh, always obedient to God, just always obedient and kept a sweet spirit. That was one of his things, just keep a sweet spirit, son, meaning that if uh, my trust is in God, that even I saw my dad go through some harsh things, some nasty betrayals, some unfair things, very unfair things that might have made someone else bitter, and yet I saw him just keep a sweet spirit because God was more important than whatever he was going through. So um, those are things that my dad left. I hope your dad left you some good things as well, or if he's still with you, he's still leaving leaving you good things. But today I want to talk a little bit about this. Here's a passage, it's a Philippians 1 and it's Paul, and he's not talking about his physical children, but he's talking about his spiritual children, those who are, uh, he's kind of given the care of um, spiritually, and and he has this thing. He's been through a lot. Paul's been through a lot. He's been beat up. He's been arrested. He's been shipped around. Um, He's had a lot of pain for the gospel. He's kind of done. He's kind of tired. He kind of wants to go home. And here's what it sounds like. But he knows he has an ongoing responsibility. That's what it sounds like. If I am to go on living in the, in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. Uh, dads uh, can come home from work exhausted. But because you know the responsibility you have, and it's not just to earn the money to pay for the, the food on the table and the roof over the hedge. It is the responsibility is the spiritual care, the well-being of those children. So you roll up your sleeves and you go out one more time, even after you put in a full day. Uh, Paul understood his importance of the charges he had been given, those in his charge. So leaving a legacy for children is important. It's a very biblical idea. Um, Psalm 78 Let me just read this for you. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God, would not forget his deeds, and would keep his commands. This whole idea of being a father is about handing off. It's about handing off to the next generation what they need. And the most important thing they need is a relationship with God. And that is the most important thing, that dads who are doing a great job, dads who are leaving a legacy, they are handing off their faith to the next generation. That's the most important thing you can do. Problem is that I think we live in a society in a time when it's a little bit difficult to do that. Let me give you a little historical thought here. Um, before the Industrial Revolution, most families lived in much closer proximity than we do now, in this sense. Um, uh, in... Uh, in Uh, Before the Industrial Revolution, uh, four out of five families were farmers. And and in Jesus' day, and in that day, what would happen is that the children up to age five, maybe seven, would be in the care of the mother while dad went out in the fields and worked. Or even if it was a carpenter, he would go to the shop, which is probably a room next door, and the smaller children would be the mom. But when the sons turned five, seven, somewhere there, they would begin to go to work with dad. They'd go out in the fields, begin to learn what it meant to be a farmer. And as dad and son worked side by side, dad would instruct the son, would teach the son, not only about farming, but about life, about being a a religious person or a spiritual person, and it would just be a part of their ongoing deal. The problem happened in the industrial revolution is that um, dads began to go to work at a factory, and they were producing things, and now the kids were left home with mom, and dad wasn't having the same input there. And then eventually we started school. So now the the son is not, not only is he not working besides dad, now all of the children have been outsourced for their education, which in some ways was good. We have much better educated children as a result of that probably in most cases. But the influence that mom and dad and specifically dad on sons was in God intended to be exerted is now having to be done in a few hours in the evening. And then you add to that screen time. And now dads are trying to cram in lifelong principles in a few minutes every day. That's why dads need to understand, and good dads do understand, is that every dad will leave a legacy. Not every dad will leave a good legacy or an intentional one. And so today I want to applaud the dads who are intentional about taking those minutes, those precious few minutes, and investing well into their children. I want to applaud you for that, and I want to encourage you and tell you that you're not crazy. The world may tell you there are all kinds of other things you should be doing or could be doing or other measurements you could use to evaluate your life, and yet I want to suggest to you that creating a spiritual legacy is the most important, and I want to affirm that for you. Let me read a, a kind of a, a foundational passage for this found in Ephesians, and it's six four says, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, what's interesting about this is pretty straightforward, but there's some interesting things if we kind of break it down a little. bit. Fathers, do not exasperate. What does it mean to exasperate your children? Tease them and make them... No, no, no. It's not about that. It's embitter. It's to embitter someone. Um, One of the primary questions a counselor will ask Uh, if someone is really struggling in life or in a marriage or whatever it might be, they will ask, tell me about your dad. Tell me about your relationship with your dad. One of the things that I've learned to look for with people that are are in conflict with each other or even, even just not performing the way I know they're able to is to look at a dad because the relationship with dad determines much about the success of their life. And whether it was good or bad, whether they've come to grips with it or not. Uh, and this, this um, to exasperate means to embitter. How would one embitter a child? Well, it has to do with fairness. It has to do with this idea of fairness. Um, so favoritism. Remember the, the Joseph and Technicolor Dream Dreamcoat thing Cody was talking about a couple of weeks ago, right? What was happening? There was unfairness because there was favoritism toward Joseph. Right? Joseph was treated differently than the others, and there became conflict because of that. The others were embittered over this. There's a guy named uh, William Hendrickson who, who did a list of these that he had observed, and I'll just use his list. Overprotection is another way. Overprotecting. Little boys need to fall out of trees, they just do. They need to get busted lips, they need to get knots on their head. Once they get up 12, 15 feet, then you might want to help them out a little bit. But, you know, eight eight feet or so, they'll they'll survive. They'll be all right. It's going to be okay. We want to bubble wrap our kids, but you can embitter a child if they never have room. The whole point of childhood is to spread your wings. It is to expand your experience. And mom and dad, be smart enough to major on the majors. And don't worry about the minors. Don't overprotect them. Dads, tell them to walk it off it's okay, but dad, I have a broken ankle. Okay, well, hop it off, but either way. (laughs) Seriously, that's a part of what we need to do. We need to have, now, if they're going to go play in the freeway, no, that's not a good idea, okay? But teach them to cross the street. Teach them to ride their bike around the block. I mean, you can watch the clock if you want, but it's okay, right? Another one that, that this author identified was discouraging them, Saying things like, why aren't you like your brother? Or why can't you do this? Or one of the things I see a lot is dads trying to live out their own unfulfilled dreams to their kids. Let them have their own dreams. He may not want to be in the pros, he may not want to be world famous. God may have gifted him and called him to something else or heard of something else. One of the things that really great dads do is they study their children. And they study who God made them to be. And as that child grows, they, they identify the gifts. And even if it doesn't align with their own personal gifts or their dreams for the child, it's okay. I wanted my kids to make a lot of money. They're both in ministry. Oh, well. <laughs> um, another one is squashing their uniqueness. Understanding that each of your kids are different and just encouraging that. One plays the piano. One plays sports. It's okay. God has created them and give to them. Just let them be unique in encouragement and uniqueness. Um, neglecting, I already talked about time crunches for dads. Great dads. Dads are creating legacies. I applaud you for making time to be there, to, to get them in that schedule. And then abuse of any kind, verbal, physical, will certainly embitter a child. And then, and here's one that that this author identified, it kind of is hard because it's hypocrisy. Not being on Monday who they saw at church on Sunday. That is the worst thing a parent can do. I mean, I just, so many people, hey, I just go to church, but they're just a bunch of hypocrites. Which is true. We're all hypocrites at some point. We don't, none of us measure up to what we hope to be, what God is making us. But if you, you are intentional. Your kids, you know this, you already know this. They're not listening to what, they, what you say. They're watching what you do, right? That's one of the reasons it's so important that you're here today, dads. It's so important because if you've got kids, they're watching the fact that you're here. And just being here says a lot to them. That if this is important to the most important man in their life, that it's important. And so live it out. Get rid of the, whatever the other stuff that's going on that doesn't make you look like Jesus. Just deal with it because they're watching you and they're learning from you. And, it, and to the degree that you're, in sin, you're sincere, you're genuine in that, to that degree you will lead your children forward. I applaud you for doing that. Um, so, this, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Do not embitter your children. Do not cause them to be embittered. And there you goes. it says, bring them up. And by the way, this bring them up phrase isn't like a drill sergeant. It gives you, you know, it's not that at all. Bring them up. In the original language is actually a soft nurturing, lifting up kind of thought. Do you know what I'm saying? It's not It's not that at all. It's bring them up, nurture them into, help them grow up into. And so there's a softness, there's a tenderness there, even as the next two words follow which is training and instruction. Instruction is verbal, verbal indication of what the, should happen. Teaching them God's word, teaching them how life is supposed to be lived, teaching them verbally, but then training is different than that. Training is taking action to make sure they got the lesson. Son, go clean your room because that's what, that's what we do in this house. We keep our room clean, go clean your room. Son, clean your room, son, clean your room. If you don't clean your room, you're gonna be grounded until you're 36, right? But you never ground them. So you did the instruction, but you didn't do the training. So you got to follow through. Idle threats, that's not, that's not either instruction. That's just idle threats. I know you're tired. You don't want to be the bad guy. I get it. In my house, wait till your dad gets home was not something you wanted to hear, right? Because no matter how tired dad was, he wasn't too tired to straighten things out. I'm not saying my mom didn't straighten him out, but when we got a little older, dad would step in. My dad was tough. He was tough, and we needed it. He would train us. In my home, it might have been a little harsher than the training you're using. But the point is that there needs to be some action to follow up, because that's, that's the reinforcement of the instruction you're giving. So he's saying, in a nurturing, healthy way, both instruct and expect, impose <laughs> what needs to happen through um, whatever kind of, leverage you need to use, grounding, whatever it might be. And so this, this is a very loving passage here. Legacy of loving, loving God and loving them because you love God. That's the most powerful thing you do dads, And those of you who are doing that, I applaud you. Another legacy is a legacy of looking toward heaven. And this is one that's a little more rare. And this comes much out of my own experience, but here's what it says in Philippians. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me, heavenward in Christ Jesus. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, remember that this life is a journey towards something, and as you are journeying towards something, and it's not success, and it's not fame, and it's not financial stability... Even if any of those happen, it's almost irrelevant. The journey is heavenward. And remember that you are to teach your children who are on a journey as well, how to travel successfully. So uh, uh, Martin Luther, the great reformer, Martin Luther, uh, once said, there's only two days on my calendar, this day and that day. And what he was talking about is the day that he would go to heaven. And the implication was this, Every day should we live in light of that day. Every two day should we live in light of that day. I was, uh, I was thinking about this i was thinking about my own grandfathers. My grandfather, uh, uh, if you've been around for any length of time, you know, he was a bootlegger and outlaw and gunfighter and all kinds of crazy stuff back in the old days. And I became a Christian and God just changed his life. Just miraculously changed his life. He never drank another bit of alcohol, much less make it or sell it. He, uh, Married my grandmother, even though she was already my grandmother, or she was already my dad's mom. Um, finally married her. And, um, and just lived completely different the rest of his life. He eventually became a, a preacher and began to share his faith with other people. And every day of his life, he lived with this thought. And I've heard him say it so many times. This could be the day Jesus comes. This could be the day I go to see Jesus. And every day he lived in light of that possibility. You see, what's really silly is that an entire world tells us to live for today, never reckoning with that day that will come. How different we live if we start with that day and then live today. Because if you just live for today, it's like, I'm going to get all I can get. Why would I bother with these children? Why would I bother investing in them? Why would I, why would I bother being responsible? I'm just going to get what I want today. But when you know that that day is coming, you don't need to fear it. You, don't need it. you just live today in light of it. He lived every day in light of that. My other grandfather, who wasn't a pastor, but he was a church builder, carpenter, but he built churches. Last time I talked to him, he was 92 years old. He had a lot of pain from all the years of hard labor, climbing on roofs and all kinds of stuff. And my grandmother had long kind of been absent because of Alzheimer's. And uh, and he said, "I, I I just want the father to bring me home. He said, I'm tired. I'm in a lot of pain. I just want him to take me home. I'm looking forward to it. You see, I was raised living your life not fearing that day because in our family, that's not a terrible day. It's actually called, it's a promotion. (laughs) My grandfather's funeral was called a coronation. You see, because he got there, he had run the race, he had finished well, and now everything he'd ever hoped for and ever wanted was there. And every day lived up until that point was a preparation for that day. A few years ago, I got the call about my friend, Bishop John Michael McGarrowa. Dying in Africa in an auto accident. I was out dirt biking. And I remember living, uh, riding the rest of the day with this thought going over and over again in my brain. Now he knows. Now he knows. Now he knows what it's like to feel unconditional love, to be embraced by his heavenly father, a warmth and an acceptance that he only had glimpses of here on this earth. Now he knows that all the stuff that he read and believed, he knows it's true. I think there are some good things about getting older because I'm not quite 92 yet. But I think there are some things good about it. As you begin to realize that all the shiny stuff you used to chase, whether you got it or not, didn't matter so much because it didn't give you what you thought it would give you. And the older you get, the fewer options you have around you because you know going doing that stupid thing's not going to get you there and that thing over there is not going to get you there. You achieved that one and it was nice, but it didn't get you where I wanted to go. You begin to realize that it's that day you really want. At the the core of who you are, at the deepest of your urges and hungers and desires, it's that day. It's to see him face to face, the one who created you, the one who died for you, the one who will embrace you with perfect love. That is the day you really want. Everything else, maybe a little glimpse of it, maybe a little foretaste of it, but that's the day. That's the one And when you live this day in light of that day, you're willing to invest in children that you may not see the payout on because you're preparing them for that day. You're preparing them for the journey that they need to take as well. Legacy of looking forward to heaven is, I think, a powerful thing. There's an old blues song called Everybody Wants to Go to Heaven, Uh, But Nobody Wants to Die. There's a more current version of it, a uh, country version by Chesney, Kenny Chesney. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to go right now, right? But the reality is, is that as long as you're here, God's not done with you. But don't forget that day. It, it's coming. And it's either a fearful day or a joyful day. And for us as Christians, we've been preparing for that day our whole lives. And then there's another one I see in guys I think are leaving a great legacy just as an encouragement, a legacy of helping others take that journey beyond that direction too. This is what it says in 2 Timothy 1. And it's Paul talking to Timothy and he identifies Timothy's spiritual legacy because when he's writing to Timothy, it's not a good time for Christians. There's going to be some hard times for him, even could cost him his life. And here's what he says. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which, is for, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. It's his mother and grandmother. This idea of a sincere faith, it's a genuine faith without hypocrisy. What he's seeing in him is, he goes, I know you're going to face some difficulty, but I see the spiritual legacy that you have now embraced that is going to prepare you for what is to come. I don't think being a Christian in America is going to get easier going forward. But I think that if we lay the right legacy, we lay out the right foundation, our kids will handle it. Our grandkids will handle it. I had a weird thought. My, my, uh, my little granddaughter, my oldest granddaughter was in that one. She was one of the ones spitting. Gross. You know what I first did after that? I saw the video last night. I wouldn't find out who cleaned that up because that's gross. Let me make sure I got cleaned up. Uh, here's what's weird about little 10-year-old Sienna. Someday she'll have a granddaughter. And if we don't destroy ourselves or God doesn't, Christ doesn't come back, her granddaughter someday will have a granddaughter. And there's a Christian song, and I don't want to overstate my case, but there's a Christian song that says, I don't want to leave a legacy, and I hate that song. I get what they're saying. They're saying, I don't want my legacy to be about me, but I just don't like the song because I want to leave a legacy. I don't, care if they, I don't care if they remember my name. I don't care if they even remember who I was. But I want something that I've done for those who are under my care, something of spiritual DNA to be so in, in their life that it's passed on from them to the next generation, to the next generation, to the next generation see, that story of my grandfather, if you've been around here forever, you're like, oh, enough of that already. Let me tell you something. I was thinking about it this morning. We're now the fifth generation in. So that one little couple, Oklahoma, selling illegal liquor, shooting other people, that mess that was going on there, when they got saved, that, those two people, my grandma and grandpa, got saved, their kids became Christians, their kids became Christians. We're now fifth generation down, and there may be a couple of my cousin's kids that I don't know about. But to my knowledge, fifth generation now, every single one of those kids is a Christian going to church, serving Jesus out of two little hillbillies down in Oklahoma. Let me tell you, you can have an impact long beyond your lifetime. By the way, most of those are in ministry right now. Today, under the, under the, the pastoral teaching of my cousins and their kids, there are thousands of people in church today in this country because two little people, little uneducated, rough, tough people decided that God could change their life. And if you would change your life, that's why my grandmother got saved. God, if you will heal me, I will raise my kids to be Christians. And then my grandfather got saved. You see, we look at America, and I just need to tell you this. The problem in America is a spiritual problem. And the problem in America is a spiritual problem with the dads. You're the ones here today. You're doing a good job. You're taking it serious. But I just want you to know, how important what you're doing is. If the dads in America would humble themselves and seek God's face and pray, this nation would change. And it would change for the better. It would change. It's dads. We can do this. And you feel like you're the only one. You're not. There are hundreds of other dads in this room right now who are doing their very best to do the same thing, who want to see a, want to see a harvest long beyond their lifetime. And they're dedicating themselves to God. They're investing in their kids. They're reading his word. They're praying. They're loving their kids. And that's what needs to happen. And that's why what you're doing, I just want to tell you how important it is. You are leaving a legacy. And it matters. It matters, even if you don't see the entire payoff. I used to ask my dad before he died about five years ago. Mm -hmm. I used to ask my dad before he died about five years ago, Dad, what would Grandpa have thought if he saw our churches? Because I have some cousins who pastor some pretty big churches, and God's blessed us. As well. He said, I don't think he'd understand the music. (laughs) And and he wouldn't get the lights, but he'd understand that you're teaching Jesus and he would love it. He would love it because that's what changed his life. That's what changed his family. That's what saved his marriage. That's what saved his life. Dad, you're doing good. Teach him Jesus because no matter what changes, no matter what the format looks like, no matter what happens in society or in culture, if you've taught them Jesus, they've got a rock to stand on and they'll know how to do it. A legacy of leading others that direction. I'll just give you, uh, let me just give you two more real quick. Uh, one is a legacy of leaving entanglements behind. Listen to this, Hebrews uh, 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, by the way, there's a lot of controversy about that cloud of witnesses. It probably doesn't reference, but in my mind, it could reference Those little kids watching you. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Here's what it says let us throw off. It doesn't say place aside, set aside, throw off anything. We need to be so intense about this desire to invest in these next generations what is right and what is true and what is good and what is loving, that we will throw off anything that would distract us or distract our children from seeing what is most important. And then finally, a legacy of living victoriously. First Corinthians, do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize. So I grew up in a... a, a, a We didn't sing in my church, but I went to visit my grandparents' church down in the Ozarks, down in a bunch of hillbillies down in in southern Missouri by Arkansas, and uh, good people, good folks. But they used to sing this one song that just drove me crazy then, and it drives me crazy now. And, uh, And it was Hold the Fort for I Am Coming. I don't know if anybody's ever heard that song, but it's not biblical. It's not from the Bible. It's from the Old West. And the picture is just, okay, keep the gates open. I'm They're chasing me. The bad guys are after me. I'm just gonna barely get inside the gates before they get me, right? And there are days when we feel like if I could just make it through today <laughs> before the evil gets me, you know, before the bitterness gets me, before the whatever anger gets me, if I could just make, I get that sometimes. But that's not how we're to live our lives. You see, that's not the picture in the New Testament of what a Christian looks like. We're not just barely gonna make it inside. Heaven close the gates quick. Oh, I made it. That's not the picture. The picture is, you know what he says here? I love what he says here. He says, he says, only one gets the prize. He says, run in such a way as to get the prize. He's like, don't just make it in. Go sliding into home base. Full steam ahead. Dads, here's, I think, something that maybe I can encourage you with today. I think if, if you are honest and you have your eyes open to what's happening in the world, there is a lot of bad things, bad ideas, bad narratives, and people who are promoting them. We're trying to influence your children. I think if you're honest, you have to be—you have to be aware of that, and we have to say that. But let me tell you something. Here's what we don't do: is we don't shirk or shrink back and say, "Oh, I just hope my kids figure it out." No, that's not you. You are a warrior, and when people tell your kids lies, you tell your kids that that's a lie. When people are trying to convince your kids of things that are not true, not healthy, you need to stand up and say, nope, that's not true. And if you need to confront that person, you confront that person. If you need to limit their input into your child's life, you limit their input into your child's life. The truth is we are called to be more than conquerors. Men, more than conquerors. We're not shrinking back. We're not letting the wife take care of it. We're not hoping the youth pastor will take care of it. We're stepping up and we're saying to our children, what they're telling you is not true. Fame will not make you happy. Money is not the answer. And all that craziness they're teaching you is not true. You see, what we're called to is we're not called to just kind of hold on. It says in the Bible that the very gates of hell shall not prevail against us, the church. That's not us behind the gates open; it doesn't get us. That's us tearing down the gates of the evil places and bringing the good news of God's love and the light of His truth into that situation. So let me tell you, Dad, here's where you need to rise up. You need to rise up because you are a warrior and you are fighting for the life and the future of your children and generations yet to come. Do not give in to the culture around you when it tries to abuse your children. Do not give in to those who think they know better than you. They are your children, given to you by God. And with God's help, you will stand up for them and you will show them what it means. <laughs> some, some of you guys know oh my God, what happened to him? I've been watching the news. (laughs) It's all that happened. Today I recited for you much of what I learned from my dad and my grandparents. Wouldn't it be something if someday there's someone standing on some stage somewhere talking about you? I remember when grandpa stood up to so-and-so who was trying to lead me astray. And he put it all in the line for me. That's what needs to happen in this country. That's what needs to happen in this church. And that may be what needs to happen in your family. And you can do it. God will empower you, He will give you the words, He will give you the courage. You just make Him the priority and love those kids the best you can. And God will honor that. All is not lost. We're not defeated. God's still in control. And I'm claiming victory for your family today. Let's pray. Lord God, we love you. We thank you. You came, you went to a cross so that we wouldn't have to live in defeat you came you had victory over death itself because we don't even need to fear that and so today i thank you for the dads in this room i thank you for the brave dads who are trying to balance all that they have to deal with and all the influences and all the narratives and all the scheduling and everything lord god give them courage give them a sense of joy and satisfaction because as they are loving those kids they are loving you god They are honoring you. They are are bringing their heavenly father joy as they father those kids. So give them strength, Lord God. Give them courage. Give them wisdom. Give them discernment and insight, Lord God. Let them know that what they're doing matters. And Lord, if some of them are struggling right now, just speak into their life the courage to move forward, the strength to take a next step. And Lord God, I pray that the dads in this room would know how incredibly important they are And they would know that you love them and you are pleased with them. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys for being here. We have something for the dads out there. We've been fishing, I heard. Stop out there and uh, get some. God bless. We hope you enjoyed this message. And remember, we also have live services out in our West Auditorium on Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings. Or you can always join us live online at seacoastgrace.org or on our YouTube and Facebook pages to hear these messages in real time.